Amen. I am so grateful for all who have led us in worship this morning. We are continuing a sermon series called Give Me Jesus. We're looking at various gospel accounts that show us something about Christ. And today I want to draw your attention to Mark chapter 2. I'll read verses 23 through 28 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of the sermon is Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. One Sabbath day, Jesus and his disciples were making their way through a grain field. As they walked, the disciples plucked some heads of grain so they could eat. It's like noticing a blackberry bush while hiking through the mountains and pausing to pick a few and eat them. Except the snack the disciples were plucking was more akin to dry cereal. Although their snacking seems harmless enough, a fastidious squadron of Pharisees was ready to pounce. Were they lurking in the shadows of a nearby tree? Were they crouching behind a line of shrubbery? Were they out walking a beat to police everybody's observance of the Sabbath? Or were they trailing Jesus and his disciples to investigate them? In any case, when these rigid legalists saw the disciples plucking grain on the Sabbath, they sprang into action. Why are they doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath, they asked. Sabbath law was a big deal because it's one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20.10 says, The seventh day is a Sabbath, to the Lord your God, you shall not do any work. Plucking grain was considered a form of work that was prohibited on the Sabbath. Because Exodus 34, 21 says, On the seventh day you shall rest, even in plowing time and harvest time, you shall rest. 
the ancient Jewish writer Philo, said Jewish persons should not cut any type of plant or tree or pluck fruit on the Sabbath. The Mishnah, a compendium of ancient Jewish teachings, prohibits reaping on the Sabbath, and plucking was considered a form of reaping. Essentially, you could pluck grain from your neighbor's field on Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, or Thursday night, but not on Saturday, not on the Sabbath, because plucking grain was working instead of resting. Such Sabbath violations were no minor infractions either. Exodus 31.14 says, You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it shall be cut off from among the people. According to this piece of Old Testament legislation, the consequences and repercussions of Sabbath infringements could include excommunication or even capital punishment. The Pharisees appeared to have a solid case against the disciples. The law required resting on the Sabbath and plucking grain qualified as work. Were the disciples too loosey-goosey with God's law? Were they brazenly defying Sabbath legislation as they sauntered through the grain fields? Were they cavalierly breaking God's rules? Were they not taking Scripture seriously? Were they giving one of the Ten Commandments an apathetic shoulder shrug? Were they showing indifference to biblical authority? Had Jesus not taught them any better? And what would Jesus do now? In response to the hefty charge the Pharisees had leveled, would he rebuke his disciples as he does in Luke 9? Would he call them a faithless generation? as he does in Mark 9? Would he go as far as Moses and Aaron did in Numbers chapter 13 when they caught a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath and had the people of Israel stone him to death? No. Instead, Jesus appealed to a counterexample in Scripture as recorded in 1 Samuel 21. In the account, David was famished. So he approached a priest at a place called Nob and said, give me five loaves of bread or whatever you have. The priest replied, I have no ordinary bread at hand, only holy bread so the priest gave David the holy bread, also known as the bread of the presence. This was no average loaf from the kitchen counter. This was no common loaf from the grocery store aisle. It was sacred bread that had been specially consecrated for the service of God. According to a law in Leviticus chapter 24, the bread of the presence 
was only to be eaten by priests in the line of Aaron. And yet, David took the bread from the priest so he could eat it to assuage his hunger. Have you never read this? Jesus asked the Pharisees. David ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Jesus' point seems to be that if David technically broke the law by eating the bread of the presence when he was hungry, then the disciples could technically break the law by plucking some grain on the Sabbath to eat when they were hungry. In both cases, the actions were technically unlawful, but undertaken to satisfy the basic human need for sustenance. This fascinating exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees reminds us that when we open the pages of Holy Scripture, we not only look for the Bible to teach us about Jesus, we also look for Jesus to teach us about the Bible. Here, Jesus indicates that the human need for food overrides the formalities of Old Testament law. Jesus cares more about meeting people's basic needs than adhering to certain details of sacred legislation. Why is Jesus not stricter in his biblical interpretation? Truthfully, he doesn't seem as strict as some of his followers today. <laughs> is Jesus playing fast and loose? With God's law? Is he showing leniency on Sabbath legislation? Has no one told him that he's on a slippery slope here? If he lets one law slide, doesn't that put the entire law in jeopardy? In reality, it's not that Jesus is careless with Scripture or apathetic to Sabbath regulations, but that he sees meeting human needs as a higher law. He will prove as much quite shortly in Mark chapter 3 when he heals a man's hand on the Sabbath to the dismay and disapproval of the Pharisees yet again. Keep in mind that when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is in the entire law, he did not quote Sabbath regulations or any of the Ten Commandments, but rather he said, you shall love the Lord your God and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For Jesus, the love of neighbor outweighs all Sabbath rules. He could heal a man's hand on the Sabbath, because the law of neighbor love supersedes Sabbath formalities. As Bible scholar Alan Culpepper writes, God is served above all when out of love religious persons serve the needs of others. Once after a worship service at another church, 
two members of the congregation explained to me why they left the sanctuary during worship and never returned. A woman had walked in off the street and was in bad shape. She needed food and she needed clothing. So these two church members had departed the worship service to supply her with food and clothes. By the time they finished helping her, they had missed worship but they had not missed out on service. I thanked them for stepping out of the sanctuary and meeting the woman's needs because meeting human needs is Jesus' priority. He adds, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. The law of Sabbath observance was originated to benefit human beings by ensuring the periodic rest, recreation, and refreshment that we all need. Sabbath legislation was originally intended to ensure a day of joyful peace each week without the strains of work so that humans could focus on our relationship with God and our relationships with one another and enjoy the beauty of God's creation. In short, the whole point of Sabbath is to bless humans, not to burden us. The whole purpose of God's law is to help humans, not to hinder us. The whole goal of Scripture is to bring humans life, not death, to help us flourish in spiritual joyfulness, not languish amid a multitude of constraints. Jesus is focused on the big picture. He's not undermining God's law. He's underscoring its intent. He's not dishonoring scripture. He's honoring its purpose. It reminds me of Paul's comment in 2 Corinthians 3 when he says the letter of the law kills, but the spirit brings life. Technicalities can tie people down, but the spirit of scripture lifts people up. Jesus suggests that Sabbath regulations in particular, the law of God in general, and the entire breadth of Holy Scripture are all humanitarian in intent. The humanitarian purpose of Scripture means it is not to be applied in an inhumane fashion. So instead of upbraiding his disciples... For a blatant Sabbath violation, Jesus defends them by citing the example of King David unlawfully eating bread and by asserting that the Sabbath was made for human beings and not human beings for the Sabbath. But in case the Pharisees have found these two counterpoints insufficient or unconvincing, Jesus adds one more point, an exclamation point. The Son of Man, he says, is Lord even of the Sabbath. 
with that declaration, Jesus drops the mic, <laughs> close the curtain, and bring up the house lights because this show is over. <laughs> Put the chairs on the tables and sweep the floors because this conversation is closing. To continue quoting scripture tit for tat with the Pharisees would be to overlook the larger revelation at hand. As Jesus says, he is the Lord of the Sabbath. This is a stunning claim. According to the book of Genesis, the creator of the Sabbath was God. According to the book of Exodus, the originator of Sabbath law was God. Jesus, therefore, appears to be claiming divine authority over the Sabbath. To say, I am Lord of the Sabbath is to say, I determine what honors the Sabbath and what doesn't. I'm the judge as to what counts for Sabbath observance and to what doesn't. Don't tell me about the rules of Sabbath because I'm the ruler <laughs> of the Sabbath. It reminds me of Jesus' claim in Matthew 5 that he came to fulfill the law. He is the fulfiller of Old Testament law. He is the word of God made flesh. What he says about Sabbath, therefore, is more authoritative than the Sabbath itself. What he says about the law, therefore, is more authoritative than the law itself. What he says about Scripture, therefore, is more authoritative than Scripture itself. His claim to be Lord of the Sabbath reminds me of laws pertaining to traffic signals in our modern-day culture. Drivers, you may know, are legally required to stop at a red light, to go at a green light, and to slow down at a yellow light. Although some take yellow to mean hurry up, hurry up. These are important laws. We can't just shrug our shoulders and run red lights because it might cause an accident, an injury, or worse. It's vital to obey the law of the traffic signal. Red light means stop, green light means go, and yellow light means slow down. Yet there is an exception to these rules. I remember driving in Nashville one evening when my family was living in Middle Tennessee. There was a great deal of traffic downtown as we were trying to make our way to a concert. Cars were everywhere, pedestrians were too. We were held up for a while at one particular traffic signal where the single file line of cars in front of us was moving at odd intervals. I was watching the light turn green, yellow, and then red, but the movement of the cars in front of us was not corresponding to the light. As I drew closer to the intersection, I saw that construction workers were driving small vehicles in and out of the intersection as they were working to repair a nearby section of road. I also noticed a police officer 
standing in the middle of the intersection directing the traffic. Now when an officer of the law is on the scene, the officer's directions overrule the traffic signal. In fact, sometimes when the light was red, the officer would wave a car through the intersection. And sometimes when the light was green, the officer would not allow any cars to proceed. He was not focused on the traffic signal, but on the construction workers who were moving in and out of the intersection. When they moved out of the intersection, the officer would wave people on through. When they moved into the intersection, the officer would stop everyone from proceeding. When our car finally reached the intersection, the light was red as a fire truck, but the officer waved me on through. <laughs> I ran a red light that day, and it was totally legal because the authority of the officer on the scene overruled the authority of the traffic signal. <laughs> Likewise, Jesus was trying to help the Pharisees see that a higher authority had arrived on the scene. <laughs> While the scriptures... The law of God and the Sabbath regulations carry authority. Jesus' authority overrides them all. His authority exceeds God's law because he is the fulfillment of the law. His authority outpaces Sabbath regulations because he is Lord of the Sabbath. His authority even surpasses that of Scripture because he is the Word of God made flesh. The written law of God in Scripture might have shown a red light on plucking grain on the Sabbath. But Jesus was waving the disciples right on through the intersection. He was trying to show this ancient group of Pharisees what he is still trying to show many Christians today. Namely, that the question, what does the Bible say, is crucial but not necessarily decisive. The question, what does the Bible say, is vital, but not final. For the ultimate question is, what does Jesus Christ say? Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of the law, and Lord of the scriptures, which is why Christians must always interpret the Bible in light of Jesus Christ. If Jesus said his disciples could pluck and eat grain on the Sabbath, then they certainly could. <laughs> if Jesus determined it was right to heal somebody's hand on the Sabbath, then it certainly was. If Jesus showed that compassion outweighs religiosity, then it certainly does. If Jesus showed that mercy outweighs piety, then it certainly does. If Jesus showed that meeting human need supersedes ritual formalities, then it certainly does because he is Lord of the Sabbath. Even now, I can see him directing traffic. I can see him waving us on through to go and meet human needs. I can see him waving us on through to go and love our neighbor. I can see him waving us on through to go and embrace Sabbath times of rest, 
recreation and refreshment. I can see him waving us on through to go and help people who are hungry get the food they need. I can see him waving us on through to go and help people who need clothing to get the shirts and pants and coats they need. I can see him waving us on through to go and focus on the big picture of Scripture. I can see him waving us on through to go and show boundless compassion to others. I can see him waving us on through to go and do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with our God. Amen.